Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over there in Stevens Point and Appleton this morning. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Uh, we, uh, you know, we do our annual service at the uh, Widener Center, wherever it is, Green Bay's Widener Center lately, uh, where all our campuses get together for one big Sunday. It's usually the first Sunday in November. And it's always, it's my favorite service of the year. It's when everybody gets together and you see all these people. Uh, and uh, all our musicians gather together to uh, lead our music on that Sunday morning. And it's always rather impressive. We have, I think, some of the best musicians in the country, to be honest with you, that uh, minister here at Celebration Church. And, and I say that sincerely. I travel all over the world. I'm in these churches. And uh, I usually walk out going, no, we got it going. Anyway, uh, we, this last year, we just randomly decided to record uh, the service. It's called multi-tracking, which allows you to mix it and put it into an actual CD or something later. And uh, we just kind of do it just, just to do it. And we've never really done anything with it. But anyway, this last year, uh, I got a recording from the live service, and I was absolutely blown away at how great it sounded. So we went and pulled up the multi-tracks and uh, uh, mixed the thing together and released a CD. This is the recording, compact disc, of that service, just the music part of it. It sounds fabulous. You need to get it. Now, uh, it's $10, and that's just to raise the money back to pay for the goofy CDs. But uh, it's, uh, it's really amazing. It sounds so good. You'll love putting it in your car, driving around, and uh, uh, maybe giving it to friends and stuff like that. So it's just a little representation. of. And what I really love about it is there's really nothing special about it uh, in that special production. A lot of live recordings aren't actually live totally. They're kind of live. Parts of it are live, and then they go back and they fix things and dub things and review. But that's not what we do. This is, this is as it happened on that morning, and it really is rather impressive. I'm very proud of our organization. I know you're supposed to be proud, but I am. Anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's really great. I heard that they don't have it over Stevens Point and Appleton. I yelled at Bob in the first service. So they'll get this to you <laughs> for next Sunday so that you guys can get it and uh, enjoy this. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, we're talking up our uh, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage seminar that I do all over the world. Every couple of years or so, we bring it back here to Green Bay, always thinking that surely nobody wants to see it or hear it anymore, but we always pack the place out. So uh, there's always somebody who hasn't seen it. I'm sure there's a lot of you who have never been to it. You really ought to come. Uh, it's a great experience, fun, kind of recharging uh, for your marriage, learning stuff. And you single people, you really need to come. 
you know, single people always have a hard time getting them because they think we're all going to make out or something, you know. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, you're going to be perfectly fine. You will love it. Besides, you single people need to learn about crazy before you get there. You know, they do. Because we, we warn you, but you don't listen to us. You know, we do these pre-marriage counseling things, which are <laughs> obligatory, but a bit of an exercise in futility, you know. I always consider pre-marriage counseling the equivalent of trying to discuss advanced mathematics with an alcoholic on a bar stool. <clears throat> you know, because no matter what we tell you, yeah, ha, 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 yes, ha, ha, you know, and you're just all drugged up and you're not listening to anything, but that, that, that's why we make you make the big promise. When you stand at the altar, you're all jazz. Ha, 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 ha. We go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you promise for better or for worse? Because we know what's coming. See? <laughs> and uh, so you need to come and, and learn about it. <laughs> April uh, 29th, the day after our anniversary. 43 years. Yeah. <clears throat> What a lucky girl. <laughs> All right. We have been, uh, we're in the season of Lent, and the season of Lent is a time of reflection, a bit of a personal discipline in our lives, intentional sacrifice, just to kind of say no to this part of you and, and to grow more in your spirit. Uh, generally speaking, typically during Lent, people will pledge to give something up that they really like. You know, and uh, they just do without. Uh, some people fast meals. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you do. I've been encouraging people to fast staying home on Wednesday nights. Come to church. I said, but I don't want to come. That's the point. I'm tired. Great. That's the point. Doing something you don't want to do. All right? I mean, real fasting actually is you don't need anything. Go for a whole day without eating anything. If you've never done that, you really ought to do it. It's a real party, you know? Uh, and it's hard. It's hard because we're used to all day long. And, uh, and you don't do that. It's amazing how intense that can be. Uh, it's not something you want to do. It's something you intentionally do. Make it part of your Lenten expression. Come to church on Wednesday nights. And the more miserable and the more you don't want to do it, the more you should. There you go. All right. Um, part of what we've been talking about during this time, of course, is the idea of giving. I mean, nothing's more <laughs> miserable to your physical sense of being than giving money away because we want to keep everything we can for ourselves. Uh, but the Bible teaches us that we are supposed to give. Now, we've been talking about whenever you, we have offerings and stuff in, in churches, uh, they refer to it as the tithe, which is an old English word. Uh, so most people refer to their giving as the tithe. Now, well, how much is that? Well, biblically, historically, it's meant 10%. People oftentimes get, you know, struggle over that. 10% of what? You know, I just say 10% of what you bring home, you know? Uh, some people say, well, I give 10% of the gross, even before my taxes. Well, God bless you. <laughs> but that usually works for people who don't pay many taxes. <laughs> You know, uh, it doesn't make sense to me on the ground. I'm just saying myself. I'm glad if you do it. Uh, and the more you give, the more you get blessed. But I'm just saying, just 10%. Why don't you come home? At the end of the day, what you have, 
You know, you take 10 cents of every dime, you set it aside and say, I'm going to invest this back into the kingdom of God. You say, now, do we have to do that? You know, we've been talking about that. We went back through the Old Testament. From Genesis, the very beginning, that's what these guys did. They would give 10% back to God. Moses comes along, gives us the Ten Commandments and all the rules and regulations of the Jewish nation, and then he codifies the 10%, which means he put it into law. You literally had to do it. You know, there's Christian uh, groups historically that have done that. Try that. wasn't last, I think the last time I heard about it was, uh, I think in the 1800s, there's a little town north of Chicago. What's it called? It's got a little biblical name to it. Anyone can think of the name? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyway, that little town, they actually made it the city ordinance that everybody had to tithe. <laughs> and they'd take it out of your check. <laughs> it didn't last very long. Anyway, uh, you know, and that was their mentality. You have to do this. You have to do this. But as I've been teaching you, when you get to the New Testament, you don't really have to do much of anything. Uh, you don't have to go to church, but you should go to church. You don't have to pray, but you should pray. You don't have to be nice to anybody, but you should be nice to anybody. You don't have to give a certain amount, but you should. It's not, don't ever let anybody tell you that in our church, you have to tell. You don't have to do jack. You should for a host of reasons, or at least do something, but just, you know, it's not about obligation. When it comes to giving in the Christian faith, it's not obligation. Some people say, well, that whole 10% thing, that was mostly Old Testament. It's true. It's mentioned in the New Testament as well, but it's mostly Old Testament. But I promise you, it's still pretty much the biblical standard. Besides, the only other percentage introduced in the New Testament, anybody know what it is? I, guys over in Stevens Point, they've known me for years, they might know what it is, but I can't hear you. Anybody here know what the other percentage is? Nobody? A hundred percent. Ouch. Remember, Jesus comes to the disciples and say, follow me. They left everything. Early church, they sold everything they had. I mean, the only comparison, someone said, well, that... That Old Testament standard, really? I don't think you want to jump into the New Testament real strict example because that's, these are people who surrendered everything. Uh, again, not obligatory. They just did it because they were, of course, we've been teaching about this on Wednesday night, which you know if you came. But uh, in the early church, when they said Jesus was coming back, they thought he was coming right back. You know, he's going to go get some milk or something to come back. I mean, they literally thought, so that's why, you know, they just got rid of everything. Because if you really, truly believed Jesus was coming back next week, who'd even go to work? <laughs> right? So, or next month or whatever, it just changed. So that was kind of their mentality. So that's about the only other example. So we're not advocating that. I'm just saying anyone who says the New Testament means you can be less devout in your giving, they're crazy. The New Testament doesn't mean I don't have to really commit to God. If anything, we should be more committed to God. But anyway, all this is not about obligation. It's from the heart. What happened in the Old Testament is God wrote on stone tablets about what they were supposed to do. But now he writes on our hearts. It's not about laws and obligations and all this kind of stuff. But you want to do it. Why would you want to do it? It's because of what we talked about last week is you want the favor of God in your life. And we describe favor in various ways. The best description is an unfair advantage. When you have an unfair advantage in your life, for example, 
if you have favor with cops, you know, they might let you off for speeding. If you have favor with a politician, they might, you know, send something your way. That's what it kind of means. Only in those cases, it's unfair to others, but God's never unfair to anybody. It's just that you have this wonderful, unfair advantage that comes from God into your life. And it shows up in many ways. It's not just about money. You know, it could be money. Uh, Paul talked about just making sure that you always had whatever you need. You know, I mean, let's be honest. If you are a minimum wage worker and you start giving faithfully in the offering, you're probably not going to be making $100,000 a year, you know, but I think you can do better than where you're at and God can give you favor and uh, in your relationships, you can have favor with your health, you can have favor with your children. There's all kinds of area in life where you want this divine kiss of God on you. You know what I'm talking about? It's like when heaven comes down and kisses the earth and you're right in the middle of the smack. And you want the blessings of God in your life. All of this is motivated now not by obligation, but by promise. Jesus said this, give and it will be given to you. There it is. Press down, a good measure, press down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Paul also talks about that. You give a little tiny bit, that's a little bit of favor you're going to get in your life. The more generous you are, the more God will bless your life. And again, not just in money terms, but in terms of God just blessing your life with this idea of favor. This is what Jesus taught. He taught many times throughout the New Testament, this idea of giving generously. And our response now, what motivates us is the promise now, last week I talked about, you know, it's interesting how many people have a hard time believing the promise because it messes with your head. How can you have more if you give? You have more by holding on to everything you got, but the Bible says, no, if you let go, you'll actually have more. Really messes with your head, and we don't want to believe the promise. But I say it's interesting. Some of the people who have the biggest problem believing God's promise will believe the promise of the lottery or a casino. I was just in Las Vegas. We're going to back for another conference this week. And these people sit freely at the table and give offerings all night long. They, give it. they don't have to give it. They freely give it. These people walk into Quick Trip and give money for the lot. Nobody's making them do it. It's an offering. Oh, why do they do this? Because of the promise. Now, what I tried to tell you last week is the promise is Jack. The odds of you winning the lottery are extraordinarily low. You actually have, it's a statistical fact, you are more likely that you will be struck by lightning in one day, two times. We showed that video last week. <laughs> the guy getting zapped. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't know if that was real. Who cares? It just brought home the point. It's pretty cool. <laughs> but I know more people have been struck by lightning than ever won the lottery. You know what, well, some people would win 20 bucks. Who cares? I'm talking about the big yo mama money. Who, who do you even know has ever done that? You know? Lynn's been struck by lightning. Once or twice? Once? Bob said twice early. He, he, was, trying to ex he was trying to explain your erratic craziness. I don't know. I don't, but, uh, <laughs> that's your son-in-law for you. But uh, yeah, you got zapped, right? You were, you were holding a phone? Yeah, yeah. So that's back when phones had cords, wires. Young people are going, phones had wires? Yeah, they did. They, and uh, remember, you used to have those curly wires, those really long ones? They're like 30 feet long, and you could stretch. 
and you talk all over the kitchen and stuff like that with a long curly cord. And of course, those stupid things would never go back the way they were. They would just roll up in a knot, you know, and you're trying to pull the stupid cord out and stuff like that. So, you know, back when the dinosaurs still roamed, the earth phones had wires. And, and uh, you know, electricity struck the house and went down the wire and, and uh, zapped our lovely lady here. So, uh, uh, this, so anyway, the promise they give is a joke. It's absurd. And people give so much money in that offering. And I was trying to point out to you last week that money, the government doesn't print it. The government does print a lot of money for stupid reasons. God help us. But they don't, when it comes to the lottery, nobody's printing the money. It doesn't come from a money tree. It's not magic that falls from the sky. The reason the pie gets so big is because so many people give into the offering. Stop and think about that. Last big one. $1.5 billion. Didn't come from magic. And that was the part they were going to give away, which means it was more than that, because they get to keep a bunch. $1.5 billion. Americans walked up and threw into the offering. Freely. Of their own accord. Nobody made them do it. I didn't do it. I kept my money, praise the Lord. But I gave this money. Why? Because of the promise. You could win. You could win. Oh, my goodness gracious. And here's the thing. When God promises, for some reason, people are reticent to trust his promise. And here's the deal. The lottery promise is a joke, but God's promise is real. Everybody say, the promise is real. The promise is real. This isn't bogus stuff. This is real stuff. God wants to bless your life. Now, I ended last week by asking the question, well, pastor, I, I do give faithfully in our lives, but I, we're still not experiencing favor. That happens from time to time. It's, it's the exception, not the rule. Most people overwhelmingly experience this life. The reason why people even give in churches like ours is because they live by faith. They do this. God blesses them. It's, they give joyously. That's why we clap when we take the offering. So I said last week, it's kind of a habit. A lot of people don't even know why we clap. Just... <laughs> but there's, because the reason we clap was God loves a cheerful giver. Here's my opportunity. Here's my opportunity to say, I believe you, God. I believe you because the promise is real. Everybody say, the promise is real. It is very, very real. But now there are those who try to do this, but they don't have the favor. And I just wanted to answer that uh, this morning as we wrap up this series about giving. Um, why would that happen? Now, sometimes, here's the difference between the promise of the casino, versus, which is a bogus promise, and the promise of God, which is very real, is the payout from the casino, if you can pull it off, which is extraordinarily rare is instantaneous. The promise from God, many times for some people, it is instantaneous, but more like we're talking about the favor of God, the overall blessings of your life, that your life from a general perspective is so much better than it would be without the favor of God, this unfair advantage. That's not to say that you won't have troubles. Remember, we were talking about the parable that Jesus talked about, about those who build their house on the rock versus those who build their house on the sand. And he says, the winds came and the rains fell and the waters rose and the person who built his house on the sand fell apart, but the one who was on the rock stayed solid, of course, because he has 
the favor of God in his life. But stop and think about it. They're both experiencing rain, wind, and rising seas. Don't think just because it's raining and blowing and stuff getting knocked around in your life that you don't have the favor of God. Where is God? God's there. He didn't say you wouldn't have the rains. He just said when you're done with the rains, you'll still be there. It's called the favor of God. Okay? So sometimes it's just the normal part of life, and you have to look at a longer view of your life. Just because you have trouble, don't think God has forsaken you. The Bible says many are the afflictions, which is a fancy word for trouble. <laughs> many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Okay? Don't think because you have a temporary affliction that somehow God has failed you that the promise is not real. The promise is very, very real. Sometimes it's a matter of the testing of your faith. And this is something you see from the beginning of the Bible all the way through. At times, people would be tested in their faith where they would run into uh, uh, difficult times just so God could see how they're going to react. See, it's easy to serve God and love God when everything's going great in your life. What happens when it's not going so great? The most dramatic account we have in the Bible is the story of Job. If you've ever read it, it looks like Job, J-O-B, but it's Job. All right? And Job was incredibly blessed by God. He had all this, all these animals. Go back there, everything was agricultural, basically. He had all this cattle, sheep, everything, and all this property. And he had all these kids, and, you know, and everything was life. He's doing great. Well, the Bible says that Satan came to God and said, you know, the only reason he loves you is because you bless him so much. And God says, no. He'd love me if I didn't bless him at all. And Satan said, no, take your hand off him and let me knock the snot out of him. See what happens. God says, okay. Now I'm hoping if they ever have discussion about me, God, you don't say, okay, I don't, I just <laughs> let the devil say whatever he wants, okay, because I don't care. But in his case, God said, okay, and hell just rains down on this man. And in an incredibly short period of time, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Raiding bands came in and stole his property, freak storms and stuff. All his animals are being killed. His kids, I forget how many he had, a whole bunch of kids, they all gathered together for dinner and uh, a big windstorm came in and knocked the pillars out of the house. The entire house collapses and crushes them all. They're all dead. He loses everything. Satan takes everything from him except his wife. <laughs> I don't see how you not read that and not laugh, man. Gonna, seriously, you left the old lady. Everything else is gone. But do you know why? Because then the old lady comes and starts criticizing Job. It's bad enough when you're knocked down, but when you're knocked down, the person closest to you sticks it in your eye. Ow! And he stays true to his faith. And God says to Satan, see, I told you. And then God blesses him beyond measure. And it says that the end was much greater than he ever was. in the He was wealthier and more blessed and successful than he'd ever been in his life. Because God just opened the windows of heaven and poured favor into his life. Sometimes we get tested in our faith. Sometimes we have real difficulties 
and, uh, and to see where we stand. Um, you know, those of you guys in Stevens Point have, have known me for a long time, 15 years now, and we've lived our lives in front of you. You've seen the times where we've been greatly blessed and other times where we've gone through real struggles, but God has always been faithful even as we've, go, even as we've gone through the testing of our faith. The most recent one is about a little over two years ago. My wife, Debbie, was uh, diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, which is a death sentence, all right? They give you stage four, stage one, two, they got treatments, they say, oh, we can beat it, you know, and in fact, they even told us, you know, we don't, we don't treat this kind of cancer, we cure it, is literally what they told us, and, and then boom, it hit stage four, and then you can kiss it goodbye. They told us she'd have at the best two years to live, and they would give her medication to help as much as they can, but still, the diagnosis is you're going to die. And not only could she not take the full dosage, she was only able to take half the dosage because she was so weak. She was crushed by sickness. It was so bad. And she was so sick and so weak. We thought she was going to die. She thought she was going to die. It's a creepy day when your wife is so sick and she sits down and says, we need to talk. And I said, well, about what? She says, you know, I, I doesn't look like I'm going to make it. You need to start thinking about who's going to replace me. And she starts telling me about the kind of woman I needed to have. <laughs> and she sounded a lot like her, actually. <laughs> She's describing nothing. You're describing yourself, man. What are you talking about? But uh, how did we handle this? You saw us handle it. We just stood strong. And we kept trusting God. And I told you the whole time, what if she dies? If she dies... She dies. We all are going to die. Everybody dies. You know, but just trust God through your trial. You don't know what. Don't give up. Don't give up when it looks like it's hopeless. You don't give up. And then inexplicably, because she didn't take any more, she didn't do anything more than the half doses that she was taking. Last year, sometimes just inexplicably, she just started getting better and getting stronger and kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And these tumors started shrinking and going away. And the doctors kept using words like shock stunned, amazed, but they didn't take the death sentence off. It wasn't until this last week we went in and the doctor said, your cancer is in remission. <laughs> Personally, I think she's too stubborn to die. But... Uh, <laughs> So what if it comes back? Well, if it comes back, it comes back. All we know is right now, you know what we have in our lives? Favor. An unfair advantage. They can't even explain it. It's just, wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's called the favor of God. Sometimes when things go bad for you, no matter what you're doing in other areas of your life, including your giving, you will experience the testing of your faith. Doesn't mean God has forsaken you. Sometimes... There can just be a real negative spiritual attack in your life. Satan is very real. And he knows how to push your buttons. And sometimes he'll come very hard against you. Uh, the reality is, you know, I don't know. People often come to me and say, you know, well, why are we going through? Why, why aren't we having favor? I, I don't know. I can't tell you standing in the, you know, middle of church as, as people are going out the door. Uh, but there's a variety of reasons. The single greatest reason people do not experience the favor of God, no matter what they do in their life, 
is because of sin. Now, we all struggle with sin. Everybody, everybody makes mistakes and everybody's, you know, me along with everybody else. But I'm talking blatant, hardcore, in your face against God stuff that some people do, even though they're faithful in other areas of their life. Uh, God's not going to bless you. I remember talking to a guy once, you know, was doing everything. He wanted God to bless him financially. Why isn't God blessing Why isn't God blessing me? They're, they're giving or doing all these things and talking with a guy and finds out, you know, because you keep asking questions. You find out where people are at. The guy's got a porn habit off the chart. So you know what you're doing is wrong. I know, but I can't stop. Of course he could stop, but they just feel that they can't. Uh, almost got fired because you do it even at work. Uh, you know, you can't think God's going to bless you when you do the right thing if you intentionally at the same time are doing something really, really wrong. You're cheating on your wife? You think God's going to bless you? Well, I'll, give, I'll give money to the offering like you say. Yeah, but that's not going to overcome these kinds of things. Some people are full of bitterness and anger, unforgiveness. Somebody hurt you, somebody did you wrong, and you refuse to forgive them. Well, I give. How come God isn't blessing me? Well, you, you got to let that stuff go. You know, I hate my ex-wife. You can't hate anybody. I don't care what ex they are. I don't care who did what to you ever. You can't hate people. God will not bless you if you continue to live. And well, there's Christians who hate other Christians. There's people who come to this church who are mad still from people from another church that did them wrong. Well, we're glad you're here and sorry that they did you wrong, but you can't hate them. You got to love them. You got to let it go. Doesn't mean you have to go back. Just you don't have to hate them. That stuff, stuff like this. And the list goes on and on of just really obvious things that will hold back the blessing of God in your life. The point is this. You cannot ignore God in one part of your life and expect the blessings of God in another part of your life. We expect God's blessings of favor in your life uh, when you do a consistent Christian life. You can't just be, you know, Jekyll and Hyde in your life. Now, so well, okay, I understand that, but I'm not, I'm not doing anything really bad or anything. How come I'm struggling? I don't know. I, I don't know. Here's what I would suggest. If you are doing everything right in your life and it seems like there is no favor of God in your life, come and see us. Come see your pastors. All right? We're here. We will be happy to talk to you and help you. I know it's uncomfortable. People don't want, well, I don't want to come and talk. And I'm, you know, it's kind of personal and stuff. I get it. It's a little embarrassing. It's difficult. But when you're sick, you see a doctor. If your teeth are bothering you, you see a dentist. Dr. Sevenick, right here. Go see him. <laughs> By the way, you have no idea how sick you can get just from your teeth being messed up. I mean, you, know, you want to get those things right, all right? I don't want to go to the dentist. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, well, they... They drug it pretty good. He's very good at it. <laughs> Actually, he offers me the, uh, the laughing gas. I can't do that. I go nuts. Because I walk around like that normally. You know, a little, a little more of that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I go, okay, so he'll, he'll give you the drug of your choice. He's there for you. Uh, <laughs> not illegally, but you know what I'm saying. Was, hey, Doc, what do you got? No, 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 he won't do that. Uh, if your car is making weird noises, you, you go to the mechanic. Although if you're like us, as soon as you pull in the mechanic, the car quits making the noise, which is very frustrating. But it is what it is. Come and sit down and talk. Well, it's, a, it's difficult and uncomfortable. So is a prostate exam. 
there's a real party. Good grief. You hit my age every year. You see your doc, oh, Lord, here we go. You know, and we won't even talk about all the indignities women have to endure throughout their lives. It's just, it is what it is. It's, it's uncomfortable. Come and let us talk to you. If you honestly are confused why you're not getting this, and again, it's the exception, not the rule, but it does happen. Come and talk to us. Let us, let us delve in and see what's going on in your life. We can't help you uh, from a distance. I know people don't like to open up. It's, you know, it's part of our culture. Christians, you know. <laughs> Listen, God never intended you to do life all by yourself on an island. The whole part of being in a church is about connecting with people. It drives me crazy. You know, there's, there'll be a thousand churches today. I promise you, across America, at least a thousand churches that today, right now this morning, are finding out that Bobby and Susie are getting a divorce. And they'll all go, be shocked and they'll say, I, I didn't even know they were having a problem. Why? Because we don't want to share. So we want to hide. Don't hide. You know, if you're, you know, don't, don't, don't be phony. <laughs> Christians, you know, they come to church. Shut up. No, you shut up. You made me late. That's because you never helped me with anything. What's the matter? And you walk in the door. Praise the Lord. How you doing? <laughs> you know, don't play the game. You know, you can be nice. How you doing? Good, but he's possessed of the devil. You know, whatever. <laughs> but it's just... You don't got to pretend to be something that you're not. We've all had those conversations. <laughs> all right? Uh, don't hide. Don't try to be something that you're not. Again, God never intended anybody to live all by themselves. If, indeed, despite what I have been preaching for the last three weeks, you're not experiencing what should be the favor of God because the promise is real. Everybody say the promise is real. It's very real. We're not talking casino here. We're talking it's real. It's real as I am standing here. God's promise to bless you is real if you'll step up and do this. And you will accept this and experience this unfair advantage in your life, despite the normal challenges in life. But if you're doing everything right and you're still not getting that, I don't have the quick answer for you. Let me implore you. Come. It'll, it'll be better than a, a prostate exam. <laughs> Dear God in heaven. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your kindness. You love us, God, and we're so grateful that your promises are real and true. We can trust you. Uh, help us to grow in our faith. Help us to step out of our comfort zones and to trust you in our giving so that you can fill our life with favor. Oh, Lord, we pray. Help us to live the kind of lives that people around us will say, man, I want to be like you. And it'll give us the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with them. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. See you all Wednesday night. Huh.